ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. That right there, that's the sound of Australia retaining the men's ashes in Manchester. In a series full of electrifying operatic moments, it's probably not one for the highlight reel, but from an Australian perspective, it was effective. A key tenet of basketball is you do not play for a draw. Such irony then that a draw landed such a blow on the English. How do Pat Cummins and his team feel about retaining a rain-soaked ashes? What do we make of England's frustrations? And what changes will we see for the final instalment of what has largely been a gripping series? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Robert Crash Craddock is a story cricket writer with the Brisbane Courier Mail and News Corp Crash. Pat Cummins will bring the Ashes back to Australia, but why would many Aussie cricket fans maybe be feeling somewhat flat today? Well, I just think, Pat, as much as we're Australian fans, we're cricket fans, and justice probably would have been done had England avoided the rain and won the fourth test. The official news from Old Trafford on the occasion of the fourth test match coming to an end is that uh, Australia, by dint of a washout and leading the series two matches to one, have retained the Ashes. It would have been two all going into the Oval. We all love a contest, don't we? And it would have been one of the greatest series of all time. Now it'll be a step down from that. But I'm struggling to uh, burst into tears for England because what is the rub of the green? I mean, yeah, sure, it rained in this test, but England won four tosses. Wow-wee, that is on home soil. You win four tosses, you should win the series. You'd think so. And I wonder as well whether we're also at times failing to appreciate just exactly what Cummins and co have done. I mean, Clark, Ponting, they didn't manage to bring an Ashes urn home from the United Kingdom. He's also won the World Test Championship. Any way you cut it, should they feel, I guess, positive about this outcome? They should, and I'm sure deep down they do. But there's also a time for showing your emotions publicly and sort of keeping a little bit behind closed doors. They had a poor test. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. I think, you know, as a group, proud that we've retained the Ashes. Um but it's, you know, off the back of not our greatest week. And that's the problem. But for England to, to face, to score at nearly six and over for almost 600 runs was an extraordinary carve up in the first innings. And that's clipped over mid-wicket, over the boundary for six. To Crawley, who drives firmly past cover out to the boundary. This will be another one. Then he's got it. He's absolutely nailed it for six. And the bowlers particularly would be numb by that. I mean, we have won this series despite the fact no Australian bowler has averaged less than 29 per wicket in the series or conceded less than four runs and over. That will never happen again if the Ashes has played for 500 years. It's been a a fascinating series. I mean, the man of the series may well come from the losing team. It could be Stuart Broad. It could be Ben Stokes. It could be Zach Crawley. Usman Khawaja is probably Australia's best chance. It's been tight tussles all the way until this last test and I think that's what's left the Australians a bit numb. It was really interesting to me to hear Pat Cummins talk about the job not yet being done in his post-match press conference. Yeah, in some regards, whatever happened today wouldn't really change how we look at next week. You know, we want to win it, so we make sure that, you know, we yeah win it outright. Do you feel that anything less than a 3-1 series outcome will be seized upon by England as a kind of moral victory here? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. If England win it the last test and they keep this baseball momentum going, 
they will think, oh, gosh, this was the series that got away. How in God's name did we not win the Ashes? This game, I don't, I can't actually look back and say, oh, it could have been better there because I think we're pretty much perfect throughout the, the whole game where we played. And as I said earlier, you know, bowling Australia out and then scoring the runs we did at the pace that we did. Can't really say we got anything wrong, to be honest, throughout this game. So, yeah, it is a bit tough to say we ended up with a draw when we've dominated the, the cricket that we managed to get in. But if Australia put England firmly in their place, you can't quibble about a 3-1 victory. So the last test is important. The Oval's are ground. I'd like to see Australia play a spinner. Shane Warne played four tests at the Oval and took 32 wickets. That's eight wickets a test. It's extraordinary. Four of the top eight wicket takers at the ground are spin bowlers, guys like Derek Underwood. Warnie always loved bowling at the Oval, and I hope Todd Murphy gets his chance. Todd Murphy certainly seemed to be a piece of the puzzle that was missing at Old Trafford. If he's to come in, what other changes might you see? Who makes way for Murphy and any other potential tweaks that you'd sense that maybe David Warner is going to play out the series? Yeah, I think Warner will play out the series. His future beyond that is very questionable. Whether he'll come back to Australia and play, I wouldn't wouldn't know the answer to that just yet. And I don't think the selectors do. But it has to be a discussion point. You don't want two 36-year-old openers retiring at the same time. And I would have thought that if Murphy comes in, it will probably be for Cameron Green, given that Mitchell Marsh has played four good innings in a row. That is another Ashes 100 for Mitch Marsh. He saved his best for England. And you just have to concede that and let him be. Let him exist in the team. Let him try and grow. It's a fascinating discussion when they get back to Australia. Goodness me. I mean, Green's a 10-year player, isn't he? But just at the moment, Marsh is better. And I don't think it hurts Green to miss out. As far as other changes, I think Michael Neeser will be on standby if any of the frontline members of the attack are deemed a little bit burnt out. And I get it if they are too, given that, you know, remember that test against India at the Gabba a few years ago when the attack was just gassed in a four-test series? Well, this is a five-test series, so... You know, they've got to be very mindful of that. Some more reflections on the English side of this story, and I think you kind of touched on it out of the gate. What have you made of the sections of the English media and the fandom indignant with fury about the unfairness of rain in England crash? Yeah, it's just, I think it's frustration for them, and it really is. But I do think a big turning point in the series with the Johnny Bairstow stumping passage. Oh, hang on. Now, this is interesting. Bairstow's walked out of his crease... Thinking it's the end of the over, Carey has flung the stumps down from long range. This might not be very well received if it's given out, I'll be honest. You know, just listening to Ponting discuss it, saying that you could feel the fury from the fans rallying beside high the English team and tormenting Carey every time he went to the crease. Oh, I asked, was it worth it? You know, was it really worth it? I'm not sure that it was the, the best host stumping. For it to happen in a test earlier in the series, I think it triggered England to, to a greater performance. It was interesting to hear from Ben Stokes at the conclusion of play in Manchester, philosophical but burning in defeat. And I was interested in his sort of refusal to consider that England might have done anything differently, both across this test but also the series. Uh, any lingering regrets over that first game in particular at Edgebaster, which you could have easily turned around? No. Do you think that could be, in hindsight, the Achilles heel of this team and the whole Bazball mantra? Yeah, part of the baseball thing is not looking back because if you play that Cavalier style, there will always be stumbles. My gut feeling on them was that they were a tad too reckless early in the series and forgot that 
you need a first and second gear in your batting, no matter how good you are. I mean, Tiger Woods and Roger Federer, they never attacked all the time. And England is not Tiger Woods or Federer. They're good, but they're not great. In the last test, before they had that blitzkrieg after lunch on the second day, it was preceded by a more restrained period before lunch when they averaged just under four and over. Crawley just batted you know, a little bit within himself. Then they put on the afterburners. Great drive, beating oh. off the ball. Now that is a glorious drive. Out over mid-wicket, that might go for six. Yep, into the crowd. One of the shots of the day. Big flashing drive over the top of Gully for four. I think it struck them that you do need gears in your batting. You can't just go from zero to five. They're not that good. They're not Viv Richards. But I tell you what, it was chastening. I mean, that was one of the great blitzkriegs in, in Test cricket history, what they did to Australia at Old Trafford. It was something to watch. And it kind of drove into this idea that Ben Stokes talked about, about being remembered as much for how you play as what you get from your work. said in the dressing room before that, the rewards for your work isn't what you get, it's actually what you become. I think what we've managed to become as a team that people will remember. What do you make of that argument, Crash, that it's almost about how this team is going to be talked about in future as much as whatever they achieve or don't in this series? I think it's all entirely authentic. I really, really do. If you're going to play this brand of cricket where you're just going to hit the gas all the time, history will remember you very, very kindly. You will stand out on the page. You will look good. You will be forgiven for some of your sins. I want our team to try play a game and try and play a brand of cricket that people will always talk about. And I think regardless of how the series end up, people will always talk about us. And let's just give them credit where they deserve. They'd won one out of 17 tests before the Ashes, before Ben Stokes took over. And then since he's taken over, I think they've won something like 11 out of 14 or 15. It's with the same players. Uh, I think this is his first draw, isn't it, for us so far? Yeah, so uh, no fault of our own. So try and take the positive out of everything, to be honest. I remember when he started, there was two certain selections in his team, Stokes. He was one. And Joe Root was the other. No other certain selections. Think of it. It's been a major success. And it will be a historical gold stud. I think in 20 years, I look back and say, oh, that was a fun era, that one, wasn't it? Like, we look back now to the 1960s. It's a very grey era. We look back to Stephen Moore and Adam Gilchrist. It's an entertaining era. This will be a wonderful era for England. Crash, it's been a heck of a series. I feel like there's still an exciting twist to come. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Pat. Headlines. Do we even deserve Ariane Titmus? The best thing to come out of Tassie since edgy art galleries. She just delivered a world record 400-metre swim to smash rivals new and old at the World Champs. Former world record holder Summer McIntosh was fourth. Kiwi Erica Fairweather was third. And storied opponent Katie Ledecky from the United States was three seconds adrift of Titmus in second. This is one of the greatest performances Australia has ever seen. Ariane Titmus has pulled away. In world record time, Arnie is back on top of the world. As you might imagine, her coach, Dean Boxall, basically spontaneously combusted in the grandstand. Imagine what he might do if she wins gold in Paris. The win underlined Australia's most successful day in world champs history, claiming four gold from five finals in Japan. I think all footballing fans would know that Sam Kerr has a calf injury, but just how serious it is remains a little bit of a mystery. Matilda's player Kyra Cooney-Cross said this today on the matter. It's unfortunate that Sam tore a calf um, before the game, but I think where we're just focusing on, like as a team, 
we're just focusing on Nigeria. Um, Sam's doing her own thing to get back as quick as possible, and that's also important. Um, but, yeah, we just need to focus on Nigeria. What's interesting about that is that the team has since sought to clarify that it's not a tear, it's just a calf injury. But they won't clarify the severity of the issue or a comeback timeline at this stage. You can hear the Tilly's next game against Nigeria on the ABC Listen app too. The Tour de France is done for another year and it's another victory for Dane Jonas Vingegaard. He claimed the yellow jersey from Tade Pogaccia and Adam Yates. Jai Hidley was the best placed Australian in seventh. 11 of the 12 Aussies who started the race made it to Paris with only Caleb Ewan bowing out. Aussie cycling, it's going pretty well right now. As is Australian golf, Jason Day, his resurgence continues. The Aussie finishing equals second at the British Open. American Brian Harmon was too good out in front as he turned into a human putting machine to win by six shots. In case you haven't seen a photo of him yet, looks remarkably similar to Ricky Ponting, like eerily similar. As for Day, we're not sure if he's going to like this stat, but he's now one of nine players to have secured a runner-up result at all four majors. To be fair, he's also won one too. And a big day for Aussies in the F1 in Hungary. Yes, Daniel Ricciardo was back on the grid with Alpha Tauri, but it was Oscar Piastri who excelled for McLaren. He finished fifth. At one point, the 22-year-old was in second, but degrading tyres saw him slip back and back. Max Verstappen's victory helped Red Bull break the F1 record for most consecutive wins by a constructor. They're operating on another level right now. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to the many listeners who reviewed us last week. You are the real MVPs. It's an enormous help. Sometimes we wonder who's on the other end of this thing, and that shows support. It's just great. Thank you. Thanks to Channel 9 and the Barmy Army for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.